0: Hello, and welcome to the Snippets of Leadership podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another Leadership Masterclass. I am quite excited, as usual, but particularly about my guest this time around, because um, this episode started as a conversation between two people that knew each other bumping into each other at an event in person after a long time and having an amazing conversation. And about 10 minutes in, we realized, like, hold on a second, this could be really interesting for other people as well. And long story short, there we go. So my guest today is the founder of the Sprint Doctor Collective, which is, as I said, a collective that uses the Sprint method to look at organizational people and culture problems, basically helping people build cross-functional teams, build safe environments, and build effective team environments focusing on the personal components. Please welcome my guest, Rakesh Kasturi. Rakesh, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, hello Hey, everybody. Wonderful to be
1: here. Um, as you said, yeah, it was exactly the same thing I was thinking about, too. We need an extended conversation, and you made it happen. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to
0: be here. All right, well, thank you for being here. So enough with the thinking back and forth, and let's get down to business. So, um... <laughs> I remember our conversation lasting a while and focusing on uh, employee experience, which is something that, first of all, you're really passionate about, you're really focused on. And I'd like to get to know a bit more what's your take on it. Basically, I knew of it before. I've worked tangentially with it. But in your view, in your experience, why has that become so key right now? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, no, uh, great question. I think I'd like to start with why I landed up in this space uh, first. I started originally with uh, innovation, and I've been working in the innovation space for about uh, 10 years now. And uh, when I started out, one of the first things that I observed was also that culture plays a huge role in innovation, but it takes a backseat. And uh, unless you really work on the culture, the innovation also You know, it doesn't really give you any results. So they were very closely connected. And at some point, I really realized that, hey, unless you work on the behavioral side or the human side of things and work with people, nothing's really going to change or scale at the the levels that you really want to as a founder or as a team leader or even as just a normal employee in an organization. So that's sort of the why and, you know, how it happened. Um, And when it comes to today, the reason I feel employee experience is all the more front and center is simply because uh, the way we work has drastically changed. In the post-pandemic world, our values are different now. We want more time with friends and family. Uh, Work needs to find its spot within life and not the other way around. And this is a constant struggle. And uh, we've seen some, you know, huge waves of layoffs happening I think the best example was this guy on better.com or something who just went on a Zoom call and fired some 700 people oh, of his Jesus. organization which is like you know appalling
0: stories that come out well technically and, it's an employee uh, experience just not the kind you want yes. to have Exactly exactly what I wanted to say now because <laughs> uh,
1: there is so much effort and energy put into recruiting these people in the first place you know that is such a beautiful experience people are you know celebrated they're uh, you know given goodie bags and they're told all sorts of amazing things they're given orientation programs and everything but when it com- when the time comes to let them go it's so abrupt and <laughs> it's like almost like okay the party has ended start to leave you know even a party ends in a better way
0: is I can say. <laughs> <laughs> or just people or sometimes at parties people just walk out the door without saying goodbye but yeah, like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah just jumping on one thing that you said there was like you started with it and i didn't want to be rude and interrupt you like immediately but you you said you took a larger turn, basically saying you started from innovation and quickly realized that you need the behaviors and the culture and the human component to go with it if you want to innovate, which is something that um, I've been struggling with for years. It's struggling in the sense that I agree wholeheartedly with you, almost in a like positively, violently agree with that point of view. because you can have all the different methods that you want, and you're an expert in sprints, for example, but unless you have the skills to go with it, to go with the teams, to go with the interaction of people, those Mm -hmm. methods fall short. I always make a comparison that um, if I buy a camera, I don't become a photographer. I need to have the skill behind it. And to me, sprints, despite the lack of specific knowledge I have, remain an amazing and incredible tool, but... What do we do with the background? What do we do with the skills? Is that something that um, you've seen maybe picking up a bit more awareness of it, or is there maybe some more work to be done?
1: Um, I don't know if I have one direct answer to that, but let's oh, just give me a direct ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me start with what I think uh, makes sense. Um, I, I just feel um, there are multiple things to work with here. And in an organization, for me, it all starts with working with the leadership and the founders, right? So they need to be on a certain level of self-awareness in order for them to even realize that, hey, this is the space we need to offer our employees, and this is how we want to connect with them, communicate with them. And on the other side, you have the employees who come with certain expectations, and you know they have a certain relationship, and they also need to somehow connect with the founders and the leadership so this space in between is super messy and Mm. uh going after an a stranger things uh, metaphor i call it the upside down (laughs) because there's there's literally all sorts of things happening in between
0: (laughs) this is just beyond amazing just keep on rolling
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks so when you're in the upside down um it's, it's You need to be very aware of who you are, you know, and what you're doing, how you're interacting. And a lot of times people lack uh, the skills or the awareness to do these things. So another case in point, recent uh, layoff waves um, with, uh, I don't know, Klarna, uh, Contest, uh, you had all these companies, hyper growth startups, you know. Uh, They went into hyperdrive mode. They really wanted to grow quickly because investors want some quick returns. So the question I would like to ask is, you know, how do uh, expectations get set between investors and founders? Is it so difficult to have a conversation where you say, hey, how do we set expectations so that we do this in a slightly healthy manner rather than, you know, rocketing very quickly and falling down also very quickly, which doesn't seem to really help everyone at all. So, yeah, so I, I, I don't really have the answer. But what I can say is that people need to be prepared for a conscious journey that you need to invest time and energy in understanding how you create the space. How do you navigate the upside down and how do you check uh, constantly if things are working or not?
0: Makes sense. And I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, And I'm going to play a second the devil's advocate here because Mm -hmm. uh, if I just take the last few words and keywords you use, uh, I don't know, self-awareness or consciousness, and I put myself into the uh, shoes of someone who is used to thinking in terms of strategy, in terms of numbers, in terms of, uh, let's say, someone that is very strategy and growth driven, All of that sounds like, yeah, just yada, 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 something nice to have, something uh, cozy and fluffy, but we're here to do real business. That's not important. Yet, if you give the same keywords to someone who is in the business of uh, dealing with people, and I'm thinking HR business partner, like business partner being the name, they will tell you that that's key, that's important, because... Uh, Just an example, give or take the price for hiring a new employee is around 20K. So how do you reconcile the two? I I don't expect you to have the brilliant answer. I mean, if you do, please do share. Uh, I mean, of course you have a brilliant answer, but not the perfect right one for every situation. Hope you catch my drift. But what's your take on it? How do you make this major and needed shift? So uh, my simple take is,
1: my simple take would there be, um, as one of my friends also says, if people thrive, businesses also thrive. It's, it's as simple as that. And in order to recognize this, uh, you just need to bring both parties together, make sure they see perspective. And here I say founders as well as employees. Put yourself in each other's shoes. Look at the other person's perspective. And then you'll see both sides of the coin. So employees can see that strategy, business, numbers, analytics really matter. And founders can also see that you know the so-called soft factors like uh, satisfaction, employee experience, all these matter even more now. Because if you're not in the right frame of mind, we have a lot of knowledge work that we're doing. And if you're not in the right frame of mind, we're not in the right environments, we don't have the right things around us, the quality of our output is going
0: to suck. Makes sense. I mean, it makes sense in theory for me. I'm still working, and I'm quite, uh, I'm quite engaged with the idea of making this work for me. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe I will challenge you with this. Um, I see a couple of major roles, like pivotal roles, that are being played in organizations, and I'm talking specifically about. HR and L&D within the HR realm, mm-hmm. and in connection, middle managers. Because I think they're the ones that are literally bridging between um, C-level and um, bottom-line employees, you know, simplifying, Absolutely. of course. Um, where do you see the node of unlocking this, if I, if that the question makes sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um I would say, I mean, one point of uh, uh, a really nice starting point would be to uh, address the middle managers themselves and try to find out what their daily interactions look like. You know, how much of this sandwich happens to be the upper layer with the CEOs, how much of the sandwich happens with the rest of the team. And uh, start from there, See, uh, understand how their interactions look, and uh, what are they getting out of that? So this would be uh, the starting point. And for me, coming from the sprint side of things, uh, what m- most people here don't do is spend more time with the problem. So it's mm. very easy to jump into solution mode because you're so uh, the solutions all around you as an HR or an L&D person, and there is a lot of energy to very quickly execute and you know quickly get people on board. Um, But sometimes uh, things are, you know, not what they seem to be. So when you start looking at the problem, when you spend more time with the problem, understanding this forest of problems and then picking one of them to work with, uh, I feel it's a far more effective way of proceeding uh, because you can create first results with this first problem that you choose, demonstrate that it works or not, and then proceed forward rather than trying to attack all of them at the same time. So... That would be my approach.
0: You know, I could quote science scientists, academics that work with creativity and point out Mm -hmm. that the more creative ideas come out when people decide to stick a bit more with the problem. And that's true in uh, things that have to do with work, things that have to do with other areas. Like, I don't know, I'm a big fan of comedy in that sense and creativity. But it definitely connects to what you said. So connected to this, like let's bring it down from the higher spheres of theory. And in your experience, when does the magic happen? When do people click and be like, okay, hold on a second. I had not realized this. I don't want you to give away any tricks of the trade if that's your whole thing, but you've got to have something that you know is going to make people go like, huh, this is a right way of thinking about it. Why have we not had this conversation before?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think the magic sort of happens um, in this space when they really see the ideas being tested out in the real world with people. Mm. So one example, uh, so we're working with another neobank where it was about designing the diversity and inclusion strategy and usually when you're just designing strategy, it happens on paper, it happens with the leadership. It never trickles down until the point of someone saying, oh, look, this is the strategy. I've got some fancy pictures for you, some you know well-designed slide decks, and now this is what you need to follow. But uh, using the sprint methodology, what we did was to not only design the strategy, but also uh, design the first campaigns that would come out of it. And these were tested uh, with people from the organization. And one of the best things that they spoke about was that to say, hey, I'm so happy to see that I've been involved in this process and I'm happy to see that this is actually happening and working because I was always under the impression that you people sit there in a corner and do nothing. <laughs> so, so visibility, transparency, you know, two of the most uh, simplest things, but very easily ignored. This is something that you know gets that magic happening, and the second thing is also even if those campaigns the first test campaigns fail, it's okay because you're communicating with the larger organization you're talking about what's happening at the founder level you're de- you're describing the strategy in ways that the normal a- average employee is able to understand and relate to their sphere of work, and that is very powerful
0: so, yeah, and I would argue, especially with something like the example that you've given, something Mm -hmm. like diversity and inclusion uh, that is so people-focused and people-related and needs to be um, tested on people sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. It's not something that can be designed in an aseptic way and then just put down, top down. It's something that works in that sense. And especially also including people in the dialogue and showing that people are involved in it and there is some commitment whether it's the uh, diversity and inclusion or anything else uh yeah something that probably is i'm gonna say on paper not as time efficient for a number of people used to thinking in terms of numbers but based on results could be could be quite an advantage so now i'm trying to bring it back to one thing now because I love the idea of employee experience. I love the idea of doing those campaigns. I love the idea of talking about organization and culture at a larger way, in a lar- mm-hmm. at a larger level. And, um, though I'm figuring that there are people listening to this podcast right now or watching us in video, wherever the hell people are, uh, <laughs> that think about, great, I love all of this. I would like to test something with um, my environment, my team but I'm not a founder, I'm not a head of HR, I don't have L&D budget. It's just me and uh, the people in my team say that we're working in a hybrid setup and I want to give them a better way of working together. Is there any specific quick action that you know that people haven't, excuse me, any quick action whose importance or whose impact you know people do underestimate that you would suggest they could do first.
1: Of course. I think, um, so I'm going to talk more about say hybrid or remote organizations who not only um, work in a certain city, but have employees spread all over the place. Um, That's my point of reference because these are the kind of organizations that are coming up all the more. And this is an evolution. So, There is no one size that fits all, but most organizations will end up having some sort of a remote component. And one simple thing that they could do is um, try to connect more one-on-one or offer a space uh, for your team uh, or your team members to connect one-on-one and and, uh, connect in a non-work way because a lot of teams that I observe just end up talking about work. They end up having a lot of meetings. They end up just... Uh, you know, in this space where it's all work and no play. So find and define these times or spaces also and give them a chance to actually do that. Uh, And once people do that, they realize that, oh, you know what, I'm sitting in Croatia and my counterpart sitting in the Philippines. We actually share something in common that we probably like making pizza from scratch. It could be something so simple, but that makes such a big difference. Improves the bonding in the team, improves trust, and eventually improves loyalty for the whole organization also. That's one super simple thing I could think of.
0: Amazing. And amazing for uh, two reasons. Because, well, first of all, one-to-ones have become my go-to methods. Whenever I need to suggest something to anybody, uh, they're literally like, do a weekly one-to-one and don't talk about work literally i just developed a course for a platform and that was the main message because the i love to share this example and feel free to take it um people haven't considered that the relationship has shifted so much and they Mm -hmm. should do one-to-ones but the excuse is i don't have time to do it every week i'm gonna do it every two weeks or every month and i'm like do you think you can have a relationship with someone if you talk to that person six hours a year? Because that's what a monthly one-to-one is. There is yeah. no point in doing that. And yeah, the second thing that uh, connected to uh, what you were saying, that people realizing that they have things in common, um, there is this exercise that I always do. And feel free to take it. Anybody listening, same thing. I love to uh, have people chat with each other and i give them a challenge of you have three minutes to talk about anything uh, to talk about yourself your life let's say from when you were three to when you were 12 and find three things you have in common and they can be absolutely anything and that way people start all of a sudden, sharing incredibly personal stuff like brothers, yeah. sisters, uh, uh, where growing up in the countryside, pets, um, dreams, whatever. But it becomes suddenly extremely personal. And mm-hmm. I think the personal side, if I can grasp it from what you said, employee experience and leadership is yeah. going to become more and more relevant in the future. Um, actually, totally. it is already now. We just need to get people to see it more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And here I think I can connect back to your previous question that sure. was about, uh, you know, the numbers and, st- and stuff and how does that relate to someone who's just purely looking at that? I, I feel the whole face uh, that you take to work has completely changed. Earlier, it used to be about wearing this mask and saying, OK, I have a work face," and then I put that mask down at the end of the day and then I become myself. Whereas today, the challenge is how do you just come as you are? and show up as you are. Maybe you're also doing a side hustle. Maybe this is your you know, main thing. How do you still show up with your whole presence as you are and uh, still add value uh, to the organization where you are? And I think that's, that's another key difference there,
0: uh, how people show up. Definitely. And for me, that also trigger, uh, connects to how people interact and relate. Uh, Because, Mm -hmm. sure, we don't connect in person a lot more, uh, Mm -hmm. but we have access to each other's environments. Like, right now, I see you, I'm in your house in video, and you see me, and sure, I can display with my colored lights and everything, I can display whatever I want, but I still have the choice of what to display, and so do you. And that makes it a lot personal, connects a lot more. I personally hate uh, blurred screens or fake screens because that's... (laughs) I don't know, untrustworthy or whatever. But yeah, this I think the human component, in a way, the working at a distance or working hybrid now, has maybe cut off some possibilities, but offered us a lot more to be ourselves, to be understood, also for our flaws and our uh, lack of knowledge in some situations. I grew up in envir- in an environment where you could not say or it was it was better not to say that you didn't know the answer to a question because you had to have this kind of presentability issue.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I talk about also. when I say, Hey, you need yeah. to have a certain face, right? And if you were, if you didn't have that, you were
0: not taken seriously. <laughs> the, the, I think I lost you for a second. No. <laughs> well, uh, there was a, just to give you an an example of the the difference of how the whole thing has changed, um it happened to me that I was going to mm, I'm, I was going to meet the managing director of a very large company, and mm-hmm. my father was taking me by car. And I had on a, a shirt, just that's it, just a simple shirt because it was mm-hmm. very hot outside. So we were discussing what's happening. Well, what are you doing here? Who are you meeting? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm meeting this and this and this important person. And he's like, well, hold on a second, but you need a shirt and a tie for that. Yeah. And I was like, "That it's 38 degrees. It's August. I'm going to be presentable, but I'm going to look like an absolute knob if I do that. But yet and still, there is this major divide. And I want yeah. to point out that my dad is a wonderful person, but the culture of how you What it means to be presentable and what it means to be yourself at work has changed. And back to the point, maybe this is something this generational or maybe not generation, but this kind of cultural divide is something that we need to consider in how people experience, again, their work and their life within an organization.
1: Exactly. I mean, my dad would say the same thing. In fact, he (laughs) has. He still continues to wear his shirt and like, oh, you're in shorts and a T-shirt, but I'm comfortable in that. It's my brain that you need and I'm still presentable. So as long as this works, it should be fine. But I agree that it is probably a generational because probably for my father, work meant uh, you went to a place, you did something, you showed up in a certain way and then you came back and that was when it ended. And now those boundaries have sort of blended into each other. Today, we start work at home, maybe continue it in a coffee shop where we meet for a coffee then we maybe go to another meeting come back online there are different things that we do so the whole uh meaning of work has changed completely
0: i got my kid coming in on a regular basis into calls yes. <laughs> that's so good. my my cat <laughs> comes in too so <laughs> i got my cat uh, i got two doors between me and my cat but that thing meows loudly so luckily <laughs> good mics help but for example but even just that i was i wasn't thinking about this example but um, roll back three years, your mm-hmm. kid coming into a work phone call was a no-no. It's like, no yeah, way, yeah. no go, don't. That's unprofessional. Now yes. it's like, look, people, kid is sick. I'm at home. Deal with it. <laughs> Let's this, live with this it. It's the this reality. My yeah. son, yeah. And uh, if people don't accept it, that's going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. But so totally. um, I want to wrap this up for uh, with something practical that we can give us takeaways. So Mm -hmm. you put yourself in the situation of someone listening to this, either HR, L&D, or someone supporting the people environment, Mm -hmm. or someone without any budget, just dealing with the team. What are, apart from one-to-ones, one-to-ones can count as the first thing to implement. What Mm -hmm. are other two really practical and clear actions that anybody could take to get ahead than the average that you would feel mm-hmm. suggesting feel like suggesting
1: Hmm. good question i mean i would say regardless of what space you are in whether hr or lnd uh, maybe start by talking to your team and uh, try to capture their problems and challenges maybe even create a sort of problem database of sorts, which uh, which is very easy to do. just get on a call together and start talking about it, document it somewhere, and maybe do this even every quarter to see where you are. You know, has someone already solved some of these problems? Maybe leadership has done it already, or maybe one of you in the team has taken it up and started running with it. I think this is a very simple way of understanding what are the challenges and frustrations that you need to constantly deal with? It also acts as a way of uh, venting a little bit where you know that, ah, this damn problem, we've been looking at it for ages and you've never done anything about it. (laughs) At least you've captured it, you've put it in a box and you know that, okay, you've done something about it. And I know, um, you know, work can be uh, high energy, high tension places also. So it's not every day that you take time out for something like this. I feel some, doing something like this, uh, I would also recommend this at the founder level. Just sit down with your co-founders, try to just map out, hey, what are the challenges that we have? And can we just talk about it? That really opens up new dimensions uh, more than ever.
0: Amazing. Well, Rakesh, thank you so much for being here. I see we're nearing about half an hour of time and... Time is a non-replenishable resource. And first of all, thank you so much for sharing your precious time with me. Uh, really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And uh, for anyone listening, if you enjoyed this one as well, and what, if anything that Rakesh said kind of resonated with you, please check out his website. At, uh, it's sprintdoctor.io and feel free to shoot Rakesh an email. And for everything else, any questions, feel free to reach out. Rakesh. Thanks again for being here and sharing your point of view and perspectives with me and with us. It's been an amazing experience. Hope it's been with you as well and wish you all the best and hope to have you on some other time as well.
1: Likewise, Edo. Thank you so much for hosting me. It's been an amazing conversation. And yeah, looking forward to working on more employee experience challenges. If uh, anyone wants to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to hit me a message and uh, we can get talking.
0: Amazing. Rakesh, thank you so much. And everyone else, have a good rest of the day. Cheers. Thank you for listening. My name is Eduardo Bindanzane from EBZ Coaching. I'm a leadership and communication trainer and consultant. And if you have any questions about what you've heard in this episode, please reach out to me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or my website. I'll be answering the most interesting questions on the show. And if you know someone that will benefit from this type of content, please make sure you recommend this podcast to them. Thank you and see you next time.